As we enter October, we enter a new state. Massachusetts will prove to be a land of strange wonders, from UFOs to cryptids to witches and more. Join us as we recount a few UFO encounters that you should know about, including one that dates further back than the Salem witch trials themselves. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am so, so energized. You and I just got to do the most amazing recording yesterday with the fantastic Katie Webb. We met her through Greg and Dana Newkirk's Phenomenacon. She was uh, on six seasons of Haunt Me, a fantastic series that you can grab on YouTube, all of it. Fantastic episodes. She was such a wonderful guest, such a great energy, and uh, that episode will be out for people to hear on October 2nd, Friday, October 2nd, uh, looking at 2 p.m. Eastern time for that release. Mm -hmm. So you guys stay tuned. It's so good. Pagan, what did you think? Oh my gosh, y'all. Katie was... I I have really great luck with Katie's. I love classy Katie. I love Katie Webb. They are just the most phenomenal people. And um, Katie Webb was another phenomenal person. She just... I've studied tarot for a long time. You guys, she blew my mind. She broke my brain and introduced me to a whole new aspect of tarot that I had never seen before. And it was so cool. And we got to hear some of her great cases she worked on and her Bigfoot story that you guys got to hear in that uh, BRB screen. Yes. That was so awesome. And it was just great. So please go check it out tomorrow. It will be well worth it. I promise. And she, I, I think Pagan and I were able to manage not to scare her away. She is excited in coming back and doing more stuff with us. So we're, we're very, very, very excited about that. I mean, her stories that she was she was dropping tidbits. And I think every time she dropped a tidbit, our, our, our jaws were dropping like further and further below mm-hmm. the human limit of possibility. I'm like, how do I answer? What do I say to that? I'm like, that's a whole four hour lecture in its own, let alone like, yes. I've got to move on to another question to keep us on time. But uh uh, for for those that are those that are joining us both both in Twitch chat, we thank you very much. And there is a big announcement that should be made in addition to this is that we've done a ton of rebranding as we get into this Halloween season. I think I myself have come to a very happy space with what we've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's been feeling so 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 great. So this episode's gonna have a lot of announcements. Um, some towards the end, we're gonna be teasing you guys just at the front here. Pagan's working on an occult shop for those that are. Looking to get uh, into tarot and Reiki. There's more on the way, but we'll tease tease that here. Drop you more at the end. Uh, Same with a huge Patreon announcement. I'm only going to tease it now. But Pagan did an amazing ritualist letter uh, over on Patreon. If you guys have not checked that out, patreon.com forward slash chaos and shadow. It is so good. But again, I'm going to save that. We're going to try to get into our actual main content. Um, But really want to hammer home, a lot of links have changed. Our Discord is now discord.gg forward slash paranormal. It will show up as Paranormal Central. That name may change. It's still got our logo, George. But um, we're just actually trying to make the Discord into a hub for people to come share stories, chat, share whatever they're digging like that. We want to encourage tons of that there is still some minute gameplay stuff going on there i kind of shrunk that down to um really give way to the paranormal um the twitch channel has changed as well it is now twitch.tv forward slash revelator paranormal um the website is still found under chaos and shadow.com kyle it's got a lot it's also got revelator network.com that way you're nice and covered you can get to the website very very easily uh, and my personal Twitter and stuff has changed. So if you find a dead link out there, 
Um, don't be too terribly surprised. Know that I'm still going through and fixing them. If it's past October and you're still finding Ted links out there, please tell me because I've made a grievous, grievous mistake. But uh, just just give me some time here from October 1st, probably through the 3rd, to try and catch some of the things. There's going to be ones all over the place. But yeah, just a heads up, we're, we're doing a full name change. Everything will be under the name of Revelator. So if you see that, that is Kyle and Pagan working away on all of your occult and paranormal wonders. Anything else? It's true. What do you I think that would cover everything. At least yeah. the, the introductory housekeeping. We'll, I, we'll get I to think the, so. the good stuff at the end. I'll, I'll tease them one more thing towards the... It's not even for today. But we are going to be running another sticker giveaway. Uh, I'm going to put that out probably tomorrow with Katie's. So, so for people listening at home, I'm sorry, oh, the time. Did we ever agree about the, the giveaway with the ritualist stuff? Oh, well, we could decide what order we want to do it in. Um, do you want to tell them? Do you want to tell them what you're thinking? Because this is pretty hot so and heavy. For those of you who, ha- if you haven't subscribed to the ritualist letter, you definitely should consider it. Uh, for that letter, I actually made a batch of incense, which there's a video tied to it as well. You get to actually see the whole thing made on video. And that incense is going to be, we're going to give it away. We're going to ship it to somebody in the U.S. So if you guys are interested in that, let us know. Tell us about it in chat. Tell us in Discord, wherever you want to tell us. We would love to hear about it. So, and check out that Patreon. Okay, enough housekeeping. Let's dive into Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So with that being said, it is time to go into Massachusetts UFOs. As I said in the introduction and almost caught myself on, I I was doing some research here. The very first one we're going to talk about is one of the oldest in the United States that dates back to 1639. And I, when I was saying the intro, I almost claimed it happened way, way, way before uh, Salem Witch tri- Trials. But it is still a good about uh, 60, 50, 60 years before. Uh, Mm -hmm. I want to say the Salem Witch Trials. We're going to get to that towards the end of the month. Teaser, teaser. But uh, from my my recollection, I want to say that 1691 to 1692. So, again, we're about 50 to 60 years, give or take some change there. Uh, I think you're correct in that, yes. Both of the sources we're going to pull from tonight are themselves pulling from Jack Vallee and uh, Chris Abeck's Wonders in the Sky unexplained aerial objects from antiquity to modern times, which I think is pretty cool. Um, But uh, uh, us ourselves, we're going to be pulling from a greathistory.com article. And uh, yeah, do you want me to just lay it out on them, Pagan? Should I just dive into this? Dive in. We want to hear about this. Let's tell the chat about it. So the first reported sighting, like I said, took place in 1693 when Massachusetts Bay Colony co-founder and governor John Winthrop recorded a secondhand observation of unidentified objects in the sky over Boston. It was in his diary entry of March 1st that year that Winthrop recorded a, quote, sober, discreet man's tale, end quote, uh, and that man's name was James Everell. I like that we had to you know, call out. This man is very sober. He is trustworthy. So Everell was, this is a recounting of this, Everell was on the rowboat uh, going down Muddy River at night when he saw a great light in the sky. Winthrop reports that, quote, when it stood still, it flamed up and was about three yards square when it ran. It was contracted into the figure of a swine. It ran as swift as an arrow towards Charleston, and so up and down about two or three hours. By the time the lights moved away, Everall and his boatmates had been delivered one mile upstream, although they had no memory of how. (laughs) Okay, so let's just stop and pause there because... There are a lot of similarities coming to mind, Pagan. Does this not sound like the Betty and Barney Hill abduction from a couple it weeks? It does sound like the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. And, <sighs> yeah. you know, the interesting thing about this is, too, so they specifically state that it was one mile upstream, mm-hmm. not downstream. So if you're going upstream, you're going against the current. You know, that's a good so, point that I did not catch. That's very interesting. If that's what they mean by that, you know, of course, this is written back in, you know, every counting of 1639. They could have different descriptions that we do now. 
But, you know, that's one of those moments where it's like, hmm, I'm curious about this. So it, it ties a lot to a lot of the other UFO cases that we've touched on, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, the Exeter incident. And so it's just, it's very interesting, especially the fact that I, I love the fact that they did have to say he was sober. <laughs> but to be fair, everybody drank meat or ale or some sort of drink back then on the regular. So, you know, that's something that we had to definitely talk about. You know, it, to be fair, though, I, I I wonder how many actual UFO accounts uh, the people are doing these days. I'm, I bet that's a good it's a great question for investigators to be asking is, you know, how how sober were you that night? Because a lot of UFO encounters happen at night. People also happen to be inebriated at night, especially when the weather's good, you know, outside having some brews, seeing some strange things in the sky. You know, people ask those questions. But it is used to discredit so often. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's great that it was actually called out back then. To your point, I love that you you noted how it was upstream uh, as opposed to, you know, if they didn't have memory of it, they, they should definitely be mem- having a memory of rowing there. That that's, that's Or at least drifting downstream because, you know, yeah. if you're on a river, you're on a current. And you, the current will take you either slow or fast depending on the speed of the current. But... I'm presuming that it's a muddy river. It's probably slow. Uh, that would be my guess, especially if they're in a rowboat. You're not going to go on a rowboat down rapids. <laughs> that would be suicidal. Yeah, please don't. Uh, but at that point, I would say that if they were going down and they had stopped rowing to look at this, they would probably be drifting downstream. Mm-hmm. So for them to go back upstream and be delivered one mile upstream, that's that's significant. That's definitely significant. Yeah, I think there's there's actually I want to I want to hold on this paragraph alone just for a little bit because there's a lot of different things to pull out. So we talked about memory loss being a part of this, and that was huge for Betty and Barney Hill that and and we're going to touch we're going to be calling back to that because I'd say that was one of our most pivotal UFO cases that you and I really got into on on this show. Um, So to Mm -hmm. quickly recount for people and Betty and Barney Hills go listen, but uh, they saw something in the sky. They got out to take a look with binoculars. And at some point, they remember running back into the vehicle. Uh, only later did they remember that the some sort of light came over top of them and that they remember waking back up in the car, having traveled, I think it was over two miles, not having said a word to each other in like 30 minutes or so worth of travel. Um, and, mm-hmm. and this sounds very, very similar to that. Now, I should also it point... Does out that the flaming up that they refer to is a really really common ufo type so people out there may have heard of triangles and then many many other uh well obviously triangles and saucers are probably the two most notorious ufo types out there those are the ones that people at least draw and editorialize the most but fireballs are extremely common too and i feel like Mm -hmm. these are the ones that don't often make it into the like the mainstream, the fireball ones seem to stay in the mothballs of paranormal world. But there are a lot of those cases, and a lot of the fireball ones tend to be the ones that are reported by the more reliable sources. So fireballs mm-hmm. are seen over nuclear silos in the U.S., like seen over some weapon testing things in the Soviet Union back in the day. Dyatlov Pass, looking at you. <laughs> um it's a common type, but it doesn't make it out. So it's very interesting to me to, to hear it listed way back in 1639. Yes, that's very accurate. And, you know, the other interesting thing is um, I had a friend send me the UFO reports from the UK that are about to come out here in a couple of weeks released to the public. And I didn't read through all of them. There's about 600 pages. I read through about five pages. And in that five pages, there are a lot of these types of accounts of the fireballs or the big balls that look like they could be glowing, might be on fire. Some even recorded them as being like sun, like movable suns even. So it's very interesting that we're seeing it back from so far back in history. And now it's coming kind of... I guess full circle into fruition that we're seeing a lot of these other reports even still in modern day, which gives this story even more credibility. 
Yeah, you you guys, this whole case has got me going into my research board for a second because when you were talking, it really triggered a memory that um, I even have this one documented or bookmarked for us to talk about in the future. But GIs in Korea in the Korean War firing at something they described as a, quote, jack-o'-lantern looking object wafting down from the mountains. So, again, Mm -hmm. this kind of fireball over a battlefield. These were... And I should say, you know, in war, people are stressed, and that's a huge part of it. And people say this could very much be related to that. But I say also, these are trustworthy sources. These are the sources that we trust with at least our weapons and the security of our country. So I'm like, that's more reliable than just some average guy walking down the street. I would say these people have training Mm -hmm. in detecting this stuff. So I don't know. The fireballs tend to pop up at very interesting times and places. And I cannot wait to see what that UFO report yields. But... But back to our people here, I want to call out one last really strange thing before we move on, which Mm -hmm. is the shape. They said it contracted into the figure of a swine. Now, that's a little bit weird. Like, yeah, do we think it took the actual shape of a swine or do you think they're grasping at straws trying to say it looked like a swine? So... You know how we kind of talked uh, the other day in our planning call before our interview with Katie, how a lot of times when it comes to UFOs and alien lore, we are seeing a lot of times people are saying, oh, it looks like X. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the we've said this before as well, that I wonder if the aliens or whatever these beings are, are showing us what we can relate to because we actually don't have a physical picture in our brains to match what we're actually seeing. I'm so freaking excited that you came to the same exact conclusion that I did and that we didn't really talk about that because that's where I was going to go with it. <laughs> yes! I, I I think Pagan and I have spent enough time together now that we're just so on the super spectrum idea here of like, well, what, what if it's just trying to communicate um, and, and that's something, again, that ties back into that little that that amazing interview we did with Katie Webb. She gets into that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, too, is what what sort of lexicon of knowledge is is needed to to talk to something that we have no idea about. If these aliens don't let, let's call them aliens loosely, if they don't share our same understanding of space time or laws of mm-hmm. physics or any of that sort of stuff, which. If we're taking in some of these flaming accounts, they clearly don't. I mean, they can make a fireball appear out of nowhere. They can make a fireball do all kinds of tricks. I mean, but again, we we would be looking to be doing that. Like, if we just defrosted a caveman now, he'd be looking at our Bic lighters in the same way, right? Like, whoa, holy oh, yeah, crap. Absolutely. So it is that fascinating question of, like, is it trying to meet us in the middle uh, j- just in that kind of same way, like how would you start to communicate with a caveman? Like you'd be grasping at true straws to figure it out. You'd have to be going down to like base mechanics of things to to communicate because the language isn't there. The the shared knowledge and context and culture. And so if they're appearing in the sky, maybe like you said, that they are really just pulling on imagery that we can get. But here's the one I c- came to my mind, my own rebuttal. Why not appearing like some sort of Thunderbird or something of that nature? You know, I, I wonder why a swine like that's just, I don't expect an answer. I just have that question. Why a swine? Why well, not? I guess you could go into that whole cryptid thing of stating that the Thunderbirds perhaps even then were very rare. True. And not everyone had seen them. But that's a swine, a everybody and their farm and there were swine everywhere. There were cows everywhere. There were horses everywhere. They were very common occurrences. So I'd be like, okay, so our ship is round and this thing in your brain is kind of roundish, but it's something that you see a lot. So we're going to look like this. Hmm. It's an interesting analogy. It's an interesting communication method, but I I don't know. Uh, That would be one of those things if I would have to ask again. I'm like, are you sure he was sober? (laughs) Right, right, right. I would actually ask. (laughs) Well, I know that that question is going to be staying in my brain for a little bit because I got to say, after everything we just encapsulated a minute ago, ago, 
I am very much in that mindset of trying to like look at a couple signs and just decipher them and really go at them from that angle of like, if this is a sentient intelligence trying to talk, why this, why that, why would you appear this way? I mean, Mm -hmm. an interesting thing that literally just came to mind is uh, I I wonder, I wonder if there's any sort of connection between them using a swine in the sky versus uh, or in coordination with people doing like crop circles and specifically the ones that are animal style in origin. Like that would be an interesting communication path. Also, this is the 1600s of, you know, so it's, it's, yeah. I just have so many questions and we're not going to get the answers because it is. Because <laughs> everybody's dead. We'd have to yeah. look at a, a talking board to actually get our answers. And even then we couldn't trust them. It's true. So let's go into the more skeptical side of it here for a moment. So according to that history.com article I referenced earlier and that you'll be able to check out in all of our amazing vault notes that will be in the description. Uh, according to that article, people say the glow in the sky could have been swamp gas. Basically, as gas rises up from decomposing organic matter, it can combust and make this light in the sky uh, called ignis fatus. So that's a common-ish thing. I I never hear about swamp gas, Pagan, until someone pulls it out to actually debunk something. I don't know. Do, do you have any... So I know that there is such thing known as methane gas, sure. which is technically swamp gas. Uh, however... For it to make these things that they're referring to, the ignis fatus or whatever, they um, they're very quick. They're not they don't last a long time because basically they just they burn out that gas very quickly. It's shots mm-hmm. of gas. It's not constant. So that being said, uh, I can't buy into that one because this guy saw this thing going up and down for two to three hours meaning he had his eyes on it for two to three hours i don't buy the swamp gas thing so mm, nice try but the other thing too is i've never been to massachusetts but if we have anybody that's in our twitch chat that has been from massachusetts or been to massachusetts are there actually swamps up there <laughs> that's, that, a, that's the other that's question. question are there actually swamps you know, if that's actually a thing, then I could be like, maybe, but probably not. They did refer to swamps uh, in Lake Champlain. So, and that, those are close enough distance wise, right? So, yeah, they're, yeah, I, I'd say those probably. And I guess what I'm getting at too, because Chad, I'm glad you're chiming in with the methane gas thing. It's funny. You don't, I mean, I methane gas swamp gas is not something like i said that i ever hear about until it's a ufo thing and that's not to say that i don't believe in the true scientific here is gas rising up but it's funny it doesn't really make it into most of the educational system it doesn't really turn that many heads um as a as a thing so i'm guessing that like you said pagan that's not happening long enough not nearly long enough this two to three hour burn time they referenced in this mm-hmm this article here plus i would think it would strictly just be vertical and it wouldn't be a ball it would just be i don't know i i I kind of think of it like a bunsen burner if you guys have ever lit a bunsen burner in science class that's kind of how i would think of swamp gas but it's weird i don't i don't buy into the whole swamp gas thing for debunking this i i'm very much one of those things that (sighs) I think that they're grasping at straws to try to find something that's tangible to explain something that is not tangible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I think that's, I think that's kind of the rational approach we should always take, right. Is, is to pull from our, our lexicon of what we do know and, and can prove and try. But in this case, um, it's funny when we do get into that skeptical debate, it, Sometimes the skeptics have to make larger leaps than the paranormal folks do to make it make sense. Like, I, I don't know. This one's the, the weird, the weird scientific explanations for this sound just as bizarre as an alien, if you will. You know, now we have enough gas coming out of the swamp to fuel a burning thing in the sky for three hours. That was a that'd be a big gas leak. So I don't know. It, this is the decomposing organic matter 
I guess at that point, again, I've never been up Northeast, y'all, so I really don't know. This is my own speculation. Uh, this is not based in fact. This is based in just a abstract idea of my own. I would say very much that there's probably in 1639, was it? Yeah, 1639, yes. that there probably was not enough decomposing organic matter to make swamp gas basically spontaneously combust. Well, I mean, you, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scientist either. I'd say you probably have millions of years of it, but I am so out of my league, you guys. I don't know. Let me, let me do this. I will tell you, instead of refuting swamp gas, let me give you some extras, Pagan, that we'll just say they'll take the, they'll take the, the air out of under okay. your gas, your Bunsen burner. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to make that work. Quote, so, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is, again, from John Winthrop's diary. And this is five years later in Boston. So this this whole incident didn't... It died down, but it came back, and it came back in force. So five years later, quote, About midnight, three men coming in a boat to Boston saw two lights arise out of the water uh, near the north point of the town cove in form like a man... And went at a small distance to the town, and so to the south point, and there vanished away. Another week after that, there was another entry in the diary, quote, A light like a moon arose about the northeast point in Boston, and met the former at Knott's Island, and they closed in one, and then parted. And closed and parted diverse times, and so went over the hill in the island and vanished. Sometimes they shot out flames and sometimes sparkles. This was about eight of the o'clock in the evening and was seen by many. End quote. Gosh, this 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 old timey just inflection is really throwing me for a uh, thro- throwing me for a loop here. But I wanna I wanna stop. There's still more of these, but I think we should take a pause. Mm-hmm. And say again, wow, these these mimic a lot of even recent cases. So, yes, in the first thing I said, uh, I will requote that there were saw two lights arise out of the water near the point of the town cove. So that is a kind of common thing that I'm just waking up to, which is uh, unidentified submersible objects. I was just thinking that I was like, they see a lot of those actually off the coast of the Cal in near the uh, naval base in California. And I believe it's near San Diego. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's San Diego. Uh, But they do have cases of reports of lights coming up out of the water, Mm -hmm. but there's no noise. There's no splashing. There's nothing. It just comes out of the water. And so they wonder if it's coming up from below the horizon. But again, there's water that goes as far back as the eyes can see. So where on behind the horizon is it coming up from other than the water? And how big is it for it to make it look that small that it would come up from behind the horizon? It's weird. I want to say. And this is kind of what that meant. That's what this made me think of. Yeah, I, I well, want to say you're thinking Catalina Island, but yes, that's the one. Thank so you. That's I just, remember you're all good because there's. I want to say there's more activity down near San Diego, in in relative distance for people that are not familiar with California. It's about a seven hour drive. Well, I'm sorry, it's four hours. I apologize between uh, L.A. And, and San Diego, so it's not that bad, especially when you consider like a battle group out there doing runs and stuff like that, doing mm-hmm. drills. So a lot of those lights uh, seen Catalina Island, just like Pagan said, they, they come from under the water, maybe sometimes the horizon. And that is mimicked in this as well, um, where they say that they sometimes vanished into the hills or the islands. Um, they also mention a very sporadic nature with them parting and moving in these strange patterns. That's really mm-hmm. important to kind of grab a hold of and, and digest for a minute because this is the same report that is actively being made by the U.S. government currently as I sit here in 2020. So with yes. no fluff, no lies, just take a moment of silence, everyone, to digest that. This report from 1639 is currently the same exhibited behavior that our government is sticking to 
now. And I also kind of want to point out that Ember Fairy in chats said that they've also heard about this underwater aliens or possible cave systems. Yes, and yes, and yes. It all could be very much linked to the cave systems. They also see those lights come up off the water and fly into caves in the mountains and the hills. So they don't know where they're going in. They, they There's UFO people that will speculate that, oh, it's military stuff and they're military uh, aircraft that's going into the mountains as well. But, uh, you know, when you guys start talking about these cave systems, I automatically start thinking about Hellier. I knew it. And it always goes back to Hellier. It's true. <laughs> All roads lead to Hellier. You know, we're gonna, we're, we're probably, I, I don't know, I, I'll ask our Twitch chat, have we, are we now, are we crazy? Do we sound like total crazy people? Because sometimes I feel like it and I dig it. Like, I'm all about it. This is a crazy I'm embracing um, that I'm starting to, like, learn these stories. There's so much to digest and you can see why when you start looking at the scope of it. Again, we write this stuff off or we have skeptics that write it off. It's just part of our, our culture. But at the same time, our government saying, yeah, no, actually, this is happening. Go do your research. Um, whether or not it's extraterrestrials from another planet, whether or not it's some other sort of intelligence. Um, funny that, you know, in a world that is so religious, we're so opposed to seeing any signs, just generally speaking. It's kind of a weird culmination, I guess. And, and it's just really sticking with me now how we're having such old news hit with such, such, such recent news in such a spot on way too. like these cases are it on is. the nose. <laughs> Um, so if you guys have not done so already, definitely go look into some of the more recent cases. That would be the, I think it's the USS Nimitz and I want to say Roosevelt. And I think the Nimitz is on the West coast in California. I think the Roosevelt's the one that saw stuff off the East coast. So check into that stuff. Very, very interesting. That's all those Pentagon sort of things. Pagan and I have posted about it. We have something on Patreon about it, but uh, we'll keep covering Mm -hmm. it. Moving on, though, we've got a little bit more. One one final quote to drop on, you guys. Uh, this is the last one here from the diary. Yeah, yeah I just want to make sure I, I started to second guess there for a second. He's got interesting cases. He's got more that you guys can dive into as well. We'll have links to that below. But, quote, about the same time, a voice was heard upon the water between Boston and Dorchester, Dorchester? Uh, calling out in a most dreadful manner, boy, boy, come away, come away. And it suddenly shifted from one place to another, a great distance. About 20 times it was heard by diverse godly persons. About 14 days after the same voice in the same dreadful manner was heard by others on the other side of the town toward Noddle's Island. Yeah, okay. There's a good bit to that unpack like there, too. More natural than UFO to me. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. That is a weird one in the sense that I... The, the way it's described is not very detailed. And I would say it's not detailed because they just didn't have the same depth of experience that we do. We often hear about tele. Uh, like um, psychic connections to these aliens, right? When Barney Hill looked through his binoculars into the alien craft, he was spoken to uh, telepathically by the leader saying, stay there. Uh, That to me feels similar. It's not the same, but you know, there's a, there's something weirdly, there's a thread there and it tweaks at me. It's interesting, though, the the language that's used, mm-hmm. boy, boy, come away, come away. That's very similar to that time period language that we would speak. So if this is a more intelligent being that we're assuming is a more intelligent being um, that has the ability to communicate in this way, why would they be using, A, our language and using the same mannerisms that we would back then? Why wouldn't they be speaking their own? Are they English-speaking aliens? I don't even know. But truth be told, why would they be saying it like that? To me, that sounds like something that you would hear from a human or even a human spirit. So could be. I don't know. I don't know. 
when interest- I'm left with more questions. Yes. And I, I think that an interesting thing may also come to mind of like, it, 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 and this is really going out there on a limb for sure. I understand how <laughs> loose a footing I'm on. Don't, don't let me scare you away, paranormal folks. But there is the idea that when, once there's some sort of connection made between whether it's alien spirits or whatever, that that can open a window either for a long time or a short time. And I wonder mm-hmm. if them seeing all these kind of strange lights, if that was fueling that. Um, we're going to have a – well, I guess, I guess I'll just say, as we're going to see this entire month, Massachusetts is an area that is energetically charged like a – powder keg when it comes to activity and uh you know it might sound like Piggott and i have been saying oh some of these states don't have a ton of documented paranormal stuff for us to dive into at times but these states are also still very very small very small states so everything that we've been covering for the past like three or four months is still leaning on itself like that this is you know betty and barney hill are only what an hour or two north of here just a couple hundred years later it's it's very interesting to think how those all might be linked together and how like you're saying it there there could be spirits involved too i don't i don't know i don't know either but i will tell you that this kind of bridges that um i I believe it they're the ultra ultra terrestrial mm-hmm. kind of idea where they're not really alien but they're not really spirits they're everything it's all one big palooza of everything and that to me it, that's kind of where this is crossing that bridge of i can't tell you what this is but it could be all of the above i don't know i don't know I will say that one is their most out there claim of all the ones that we heard. I will also cast. I don't know if I want to say cast a doubt or anything like that, because that's not how I feel. But I will say uh, flames shooting out and sparkles. Those two things are not often reported with alien craft. In fact, UFOs, I should say, or UAPs um, usually don't have any some sort of trail behind them. Again, being a little bit different. Could lean more towards a meteorite in that case if it does have a tail, but at the same time, the way they're describing it doesn't sound like, I don't know, maybe maybe that is. If it's something shooting out of the sky, it's got flames and it sometimes sparkles, but just the fact that there's so many recurring cases, we've got lights rising out of the water at the same time that's going on, kind of makes me doubt a, a meteorite as the answer. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is too old for us to get an answer to. I mean, 1639, uh, without us going and trying to get firsthand information, I think that's where this case leads to kind of a cold ending. What do you think, there, yeah, Pagan? I, I think I have so many thoughts about this that I just I I need to know if there's current cases to match this kind of experience in that area. If there is, I would lean more towards a haunting versus a UFO. But if there's not, then I'm left confused and wondering what the hell this thing is. Bum, bum, bum. There we go. We'll leave that one as it is. And we have an extra one for you guys today. Uh, We actually spoke about that one for a good long time. So we're going to spend a little bit here uh, before we leave you guys tonight to talk about Berkshire and their UFO sightings there. Now, Pagan and I did a deep dive on a recent Unsolved Mysteries, uh, the reboot. It went up to Netflix. We watched the very first episode there, which is called Berkshire's UFO. And we did that deep dive on Patreon. We talked all about it. But today, we want to give you guys a little bit of an overview for everyone that doesn't have access to that feed. So, in essence, that reboot covered... Uh, a case that happened in Berkshire in September of 1969, specifically September 1st, and which multiple people reported coming in contact with an unexplained flying object across a small corner of the Berkshire Mountains in the towns of Great Barrington and uh, Sheffield. The 
so so that's a lot all on its own. So, so I, I want to keep like reading on these cases, but at the same time, I don't want to lose anybody here. So in this case, we're already looking at multiple people witnessing this object in 1969, which is right where our Betty and Barney Hill stuff happens because they're 61, I believe. 60. Oh, they 64. I'd have to look that up. I want to say. I'd have to look that up. I honestly don't remember. I can tell I, you in just a moment. Yeah. Why don't you do a, a dive there? Because I want to say they're 61. I want to say Exeter is 64 or 5. And then I want to say this is what I just read out. Sorry, I closed it, chat. This is in uh, 1969. So there's. Uh, Betty Martell were 1961. Exeter was 1965. And Berkshire was 1969. If I've done one thing in my life, chat, if I've memorized any dates, it is these three UFO encounters in, in uh, New England. So in that one 10-year period, we're seeing a lot of activity in, again, what is still like about a three, probably four-hour drive time total. That's not very <laughs> far away. That's might be many states. We might be covering it weeks apart, but these are still really in the backyard. So to go back to quoting here. One of those who recounts his experience for the cameras is Tom Reed, who on that night was riding in the back seat of his mother's car along with his brother as his mother drove and his grandmother sat in the front passenger seat. They were driving through a covered bridge when the car was filled with inexplicable light, despite it being after 9 p.m. The next thing they knew, three hours had passed and they were now over a mile away from where they had previously been. With his mother now in the passenger seat and his grandmother, who never drove, sitting behind the wheel. End quote. Pagan. Holy crap. Another another time disappearance tonight? Yes. Another time disappearance. It's And the what caught me most interested when we watched this case on the unexplained or unsolved mysteries was the fact that his mother went from the driver's seat to the passenger seat and his grandmother went from the passenger to the driver. And everything was all confused. They lost three hours. It was just backwards and weird. And it's kind of like Betty and Barney Hill where they tried to get these the details correct mm -hmm. on putting them back where everything was supposed to be, but they didn't get it right. And so this was one of those moments where they tried to put everybody back in their spots where they were supposed to be, but they didn't get it right. So that's a, it's a very interesting tie-in to, I guess, conclude that decade of all this. And the Berkshire incident actually covered, I believe it was about 20 miles of sightings. Wow. There were so many sightings that I believe covered a 20-mile span in the Berkshire area around the Berkshire mountains. And it all happened, I believe in like a six hour span total and like yeah. all sorts of incidents of abductions and all sorts of stuff. There were so many things that were happening in that thing. I urge you guys to go watch the episode. I am not a big fan of the show, but the information from that episode about this incident is phenomenal. But it, it kind of gives you a different perspective on us just kind of telling you about it. But there was so much that happened. And Reed's case to me, I think like you as well, Kyle, that you, uh, you, you just really get that kind of sense that he was very honest. He was very sincere. He understood what happened to him. He was not, he didn't have a crazy kind of freak out moment. He didn't, you know, lose his mind afterwards. He just didn't know what happened and he couldn't explain it. But he was very adamant in his retelling of his story. I so agree. I would like to believe that he's a credible witness. I, I wish I could interview him myself and then I could say, mm, yeah, I believe you. But, you know, he was behind a camera, so I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of my thoughts on it. I think those are good. And I... I it is a huge one what you called out there at grandmother who never drove suddenly sitting behind the wheel. It, when you first hear that, 
sentence, at least when I first hear that, I my brain kind of laughs and goes, okay, whatever. But then you actually sit there and think about it for a second. We have to assume the guy's telling the truth, right? Just at least for tonight, let's say we, this guy's definitely telling the truth. Uh, if anyone here in chat, if you know anyone that doesn't drive, could you imagine just you're, you're driving along with them and like all of a sudden <laughs> you kind of just come to realize, oh, uh, you don't drive and you're behind the front seat. What What is happening? How? This doesn't happen. Like that is a very massive kind of thing. I mean, that and it's mm-hmm. they had to move people around. And again, we're assuming this wasn't fabricated in any way. And the the one thing that casts a little bit of doubt on, and it's not really my doubt to cast, but just in general, the, the thing that can be said, there was a lot of hype about it by this time. This is when a lot of the Betty and Barney Hill stuff and the Exeter incident, all that was starting to get played up a little bit more and more and more. So was this the active imagination uh, of a kid? Maybe. And I say this, I do call it out because the town itself has had a strange relationship with this incident in that episode i believe they actually touch on and show there was a monument that was erected by the town Mm -hmm. mayor at the time to commemorate the incident but then the town got rid of the monument it's one of those kind of clashes of believers and disbelievers i guess or yeah i I guess it'd be that and it'd be the question of what does this bring to our town is this a good or bad stigma you and i have talked about towns that have really embraced their weird to great success and and this is kind of the example of a town that does not or formally doesn't any longer now one other thing we'll leave you guys with for this case again Mm -hmm. pagan like she said you can go out you get dive into the patreon stuff you can get into the the netflix show that's out there but we're going to leave you some information here uh some additional info from reed regarding the description of the craft and some of these other sightings because in 2018 uh, Reed shared his story on WBSM's Spooky South Coast, recounting that 1969 incident, saying it was actually the third time that he and his brother had encountered a UFO, although it was by far the most significant. But back in 1966, three years before the incident, the two boys saw a craft they described looking like a turtle shell on the ground. So that description says it almost had panels of some sort. It was about 60 feet around. We did not see any landing gear or windows. It looked completely sealed. Now that next year, uh, the two boys again, 1967, saw a craft. But Reed described this craft uh, that led to his family's... Oh, I'm so sorry. I misread that. But Reed described the craft that led to his family's abduction in 1969 as looking more like an upside-down Hershey Kiss. So we've got two different styles here. We've got this turtle shell, and then we've got him seeing this this Hershey Kiss in, in 1967. It's a lot of sightings. It is a lot of sightings. The other interesting thing about that Berkshire incident um, that you guys will actually get to hear if you ever go watch the episode, uh, a lot of the abductions that happened that night were of children. They ranged anywhere between, I believe it was like 10 years old to like 16. Mm -hmm. And that to me was very interesting and very significant. And I'm like, why were they taking the kids? What was going on there? So, you know, and then he's got these two sightings that he saw before this incident. And it makes me kind of curious. Is there something about him that the aliens were picking up on? And were they very curious and they wanted to know what made him tick? And that's why he was able to see them twice beforehand. And then finally he was abducted. Is there something special about Reed? It's, I don't know. It's possible. I mean, I I will just throw this out there. I don't I don't mean I don't want to. Sorry if I get labeled as the uh, the crackpot UFO guy this week, but but seriously, with all the things we've been talking about between Katie Webb and and all the rest, it does feel like there's a lot to be said about intention and people having an open kind of I, I, mind, third eye, just energy, just being willing and open to these sort of things, or just even maybe being naturally susceptible to them that relates mm-hmm. in people having these intense encounters. Could mm-hmm. be him. Don't know. It could be. Well, I, I also want to say a little correction earlier that I, I had said that the mayor uh, was the one with the historic monument, but that was actually Governor Charlie Baker, which is the later 
had that monument removed. But um, yeah, so it's it's one of those cases where I think the credibility was definitely called into account for Reed. And I think I was even a little bit critical of him in that Patreon piece. But I am coming around. I want to I as we learn more about UFOs in this region and generally as we grow our knowledge about them, I want to kind of reexamine these cases from different perspectives. I want to believe that people are telling the truth. I know that's not always the case, but I do think that even when people misidentify things, there's a kernel of something in them and linking Mm -hmm. that together in that more meta way, that more super spectrum or ultra terrestrials, as you said earlier, uh, putting that together is a very interesting, larger puzzle. So that is where my heart and mind leans Pagan, do you have anything else you want to really leave them with for this week on uh, you know, Massachusetts I, I really, UFOs? When it comes to the UFOs, I I think that there's something interesting about the Northeast. And, mm-hmm. you know, Katie Webb talked a little bit about uh, her incidents at Fort Knox, and Fort Knox was built out of granite. Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, they all have large limestone and granite and quartz deposits in them. So I think that the reason that they get so many interesting UFO cases happening around them is because of that. I think that there's something kind of like a homing beacon for these UFOs. So I don't know. It's interesting. It really is. Very fascinating. And those cases will not be closed. They're going to go in the unsolved book for us because and we'll probably eventually revisit them and look at them again with fresh eyes and maybe new evidence yes indeed well i think that can segue us into talking about some of the ways we're uh, trying to build up some funding to to get into new evidence there are things we're looking to buy for the show access to things to help us check birth records and things like that and we're looking into some ways uh to be more active within just the paranormal community as a whole. So, Pagan, do you want to tell them a little bit about what you're doing on the kind of booking page that we have going? Tell them, tell them all about it. So we're offering a booking site where you can go book tarot, different types of tarot readings with us. You can also book distance Reiki with us. Uh, Reiki sessions are gentle and uplifting, and they help promote healing. They are energy-based healing so you can totally go find that there there will be a link in the description and we hope that you guys will go check them out and we'll have some more info coming about new services as well yes peggy's been working so hard on that you guys the site is looking great she's got all kinds of services up there and this is a fantastic way to kick back to the show if you yourself are interested in taking advantage of any of these we really are trying to buff up our knowledge of Kind of all aspects of the paranormal, just really everything from divination to just all the above. We're starting to see those things worked into more practices. Again, I, I, I've said Katie Webb's name a trillion times this episode, but her interview talks about that wonderfully. Her using tarot in investigations, how that's helped her. Uh, it, it, it's a wonderful field. I think you and I are opening our eyes to more in the investigative way. Like, I, I just love seeing it put side by side with the hard sciences if you will it's been a very very interesting kind of approach so that is definitely something you guys should check out we hopefully can make maybe like a nice redirect link over there so we can shout it out to you guys in the future because it is a kind of a cumbersome link so look out for that in the bio below or the description i should say it will be in uh, on the website so go look there i want to shout out to people that we are going to actually try i'm going to try something wild coming up here in coordination uh trying some remote viewing we're gonna try and do something with the gansfeld experiment if you guys have not looked that up that is something very very interesting but i have a a delivery of ping pong balls coming tonight and that's all i will say so uh get get ready for that i'd love to do a a live gansfeld experiment one of these days that is that is a goal i think we could super do it i think we could do it you and i i would need you to like man the helm while i am you know uh whatever having red light blasted into my eyeballs <laughs> you could totally do that uh do you want me to also talk about the the new rituals letters please that we let them have it so we are offering something brand new for our rituals tier on patreon and i wanted to do something more with this tier, and i couldn't figure out for the longest time 
because we were just like, okay, we'll just give you guys an extra tarot read and all this. And we've got all the other great stuff offered for you as well. I just didn't feel like it was enough. And especially because I knew that there was something better and I figured out what was finally better. So we have a brand new thing that's going to be coming out every month. You're going to get a ritualist letter. It's like a newsletter, but better. It is. And in each month, you will get a divination reading. You will get an information highlighting a part of a tool or an herb that is specific to witchcraft, a recipe, and that will either include a food recipe, a incense recipe, a soap recipe, something really cool. But it's going to be a recipe for you. And... You will also get a spell or meditation or both. Um, Bonus, but not always included. We will include information on holidays and other witchcraft topics. Another bonus, but also not always included. A highlight on a god or goddess or pagan holiday, which I put in there twice. I didn't mean to put that in there twice, but (laughs) you all get the point. Double duty. (laughs) Double duty on those pagan holidays, but... This one is called The Dark Knight of the Soul. We have a great divination reading in it. And we also have a bit about dragon's blood on it. The uses of dragon's blood. I have a ritual in there that I actually wrote for you. Complete with a video where you actually get to see me make one of my signature incense blends. Which I call my bad juju cleansing blend. It cleanses everything that has to do with bad juju. If it means ill harm, it's going to get rid of it. It's great. Wrote a great Hecate spell for you. There's a great meditation. Please go check it out. You guys will love it. It is tied to the ritualist here, and I hope that you guys will enjoy that as well. And we're actually possibly considering maybe adding a little more meat to that as well and maybe doing specific ones or maybe even adding another tier, but maybe sending out actual spell kits to you guys. I haven't decided yet. That's exciting. It's something that works. It's on the the mind map board and we're, we're talking about it so stay tuned we'll keep you posted on that i can't stress how much how much hard work pagan's been putting into this so you guys if you get the chance please 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 go check out the patreon patreon.com forward slash chaos and shadow pagan's been doing seriously so much we've we've been working on all kinds of different ideas and directions for the future because we want to make this more than just a podcast we love doing what we're doing we're trying to find ways that Uh, Really, I guess, tap into us in the most authentic way so we can always be doing something we're super energized about. And that's why you guys might see us retire some mini projects throughout. So uh, update on the YouTube stuff. I am putting the YouTube videos on the shelf for a while. And instead, we're focusing on these these interviews. That's that's the new thing. They're really exciting. A lot more exciting than me sitting in editing because I'm not an editor in my soul so uh that that's just one of those things we're working through we're trying to see what feels best for us we want to know from you too what content do you love what would you like to see is there an area you would like us to uh to do more or differently if you have any accessibility issues to anything we're doing we'd love to know about that as well because we obviously want to make it open to everyone that wants to participate in every way so i would say do all the things we said all throughout the entire episode. <laughs> but most of all, go uh, go go check out the Discord, too. That That's something we've been putting a lot of love into lately. We're really refocusing the Discord. Uh, it used to be one for gaming, and it is now exclusive to Paranormal. Well, I shouldn't say exclusive to. It is 99% Paranormal. It's still got some gaming stuff going on in there. So come by, chit-chat, feel free to hang out, do your thing. We get in Discord chats and game every once in a while, but... Uh, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun, and we hope you'll join. That is discord.gg forward slash paranormal. Everything you need should be in the description below. Uh, as I warn, you might find a broken link in older episodes, but this one will be fresh, clean, and have all that good stuff. Pagan, thank you for this absolutely phenomenal episode. I, I had a... Bit of what? Oh, one you do? Moment. Yeah, drop it I on do. us. I do. So tomorrow night... Or I'm sorry, tomorrow, um, I will let Kyle tell you a time because it's going to be right here on his wonderful Twitch channel, which there'll be a link in that description as well. We're going to be doing sigils with the community. <gasps> yes, we are. And so, I have a whiteboard, thankfully. Sigils with us. 
That's going to be so good. We are doing a sigil sort of workshop tomorrow. So if anyone wants to learn how to make a sigil, we'll go through a couple different ways of doing it. We've not decided on a firm time yet. So even more reason to go check out the Twitter and get on the Discord because there will be notifications on those whenever we're live. But um, for I did also say that was tomorrow. I apologize. That would have been October the 2nd for those who are listening. So my apologies. But by the time you're listening to this, stay tuned for the following Friday, October the 9th. We're going to be talking about candle magic for our listeners. So apologies for the misinformation there. I just All that. good. Yes, yes, yes. Or we do record these on, on Thursday. So apologies, people that are hearing them on Monday and later. But uh, yeah, so for the month of October, we're going to be doing streams three days a week. It looks like we're going to be doing uh, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. At least I'll be manning the fort here as the computer guy and Pagan will pop in as much as she can and, and is able to. We're going to do those uh, workshops for sure. We got some sigils, some candle magic, all that great stuff. And then on some of the off days, these Saturday ones, we want to do uh, some talk show style stuff, bring back some guests that we're getting in touch with, doing all that cool stuff, having people on and really building that uh, paranormal community. So if you've got friends that you know would enjoy this show and this sort of topic, share it with them. We'd love to meet them. And I'd like to thank you all for being such an amazing audience and supporting us along this journey. We are going to wrap this one up and Pagan is going to do some tarot reading in our Twitch chat for the after show. So thank you again for Pagan for volunteering her time and energy into this. Uh, Thank you to everyone that's coming by and thank you to our listeners at home. We really couldn't do this without you. And on that note, you all have a wonderful week and we will see you next time for Cryptids of Massachusetts. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.